Hi, I'm Steve Kerwood, and today on the Living on Earth podcast, we'll take a look at how zoos and aquariums are adapting to being shut down amid the coronavirus. And we'll have an essay about an important fish in the food chain of the Atlantic Ocean. But first, your support helps make it possible to bring you this podcast, so please contribute what you can. $5 or more makes a difference. You can donate right now at LOE.org, and thanks. Around the world, zoos, aquariums, and wildlife centers have had to close their doors to the public in an effort to slow the spread of the novel coronavirus. In a few minutes, we'll talk with the CEO of the New England Aquarium, who is one of the many zoo and aquarium leaders and staff who are working hard to care and provide for their animals without the support of visitor revenues. But thanks to the Internet, you can still visit zoos and aquariums, as many facilities have gone online, engaging folks with glimpses behind the scenes of how animals are keeping busy without daily visitors. Living on Earth's Ainsley O'Neill has more. Zoos, aquariums, and wildlife centers around the country are doing more than ever to provide virtual content, both educational and entertaining, for would-be patrons everywhere. The Cincinnati Zoo hosts a daily home safari, aimed at children who are stuck at home. They can meet an animal, like the newborn Lady Ross's Taraco Chick. At nearly two months old, the chick is starting to pick up some of her adult coloring, with metallic blue feathers peeking through her black fuzz. By the way, so this Taraco, unfortunately, her mother had passed away. And the next day, we, we discovered there was an egg in there. And uh, the mother, we went to take the egg to put it in an incubator. And she started hatching right in one of the curator's hands, Jenny's hands. Some of her favorite items here are these soaked parrot pellets that we're feeding out. Little bits of banana here and grape and papaya. You're looking right into the camera there. Here you go. Want some more? When the home safari is done, the Cincinnati Zoo gives instructions for a relevant craft project. A fully grown Lady Ross's Taraco has a crown of bright red feathers, so the kids are encouraged to use materials around the house to make a crown to match. The Los Angeles Zoo takes arts and crafts to another level, with an endangered species draw-along with Brian Kessinger, an illustrator for Walt Disney Studios. He takes his audience step-by-step through his process for drawing a California condor. You can see how much even I am still observing the actual animal, uh, even though I've drawn for, you know, a long time, almost 30 years. uh, I'm still always going back and learning and looking at all these cool wrinkles uh, around the mouth. So I'm going to go ahead and you can do this too. Add just little... Little lines kind of curving uh, up that way and then down this way. Like the condor, every animal Brian draws is one that the LA Zoo is helping to save from extinction. There's also the Wildlife Images Rehabilitation and Education Center in Grants Pass, Oregon. They post behind the scenes updates so anyone can read about the dramatic rescue of two great horned owl chicks or watch as a recently rehabilitated squirrel is given her lunch. We're gonna bring the baby squirrel out here. Uh, She came in about 10 days ago um, and she's still on formula. She gets fed three times a day. And countless 
zoos and wildlife centers around the country are offering live camera feeds into the animal exhibits. So you can virtually visit the Smithsonian National Zoo to get your giant panda fix, or the Bronx Zoo to watch lemurs frolic. And at-home access isn't just for land animals. Sea creatures are getting plenty of attention as well. The Georgia Aquarium is posting their own live streams and educational programming. And they're also holding story time with children's picture books and virtual yoga sessions in front of their Ocean Voyager exhibit. For everyone on this planet who's going through something together, send out that intention. Cultivate that attitude. May all people everywhere be happy. May all people everywhere be healthy. May all people everywhere be filled with loving kindness. And the New England Aquarium is hosting live question and answer sessions on their social media, as well as providing virtual experiences, like watching a harbor seal get its teeth brushed, or even taking a dive inside the giant ocean tank. For Living on Earth, I'm Ainsley O'Neill. To find out what it's like to manage a major public aquarium when it suddenly shuts down with no clear end in sight, we turn now to Vicki Spruill. She's president and CEO of the New England Aquarium in Boston. Vicki, welcome to Living on Earth. Hi, Steve. It's great to be here. First of all, where are you right now, and how are you dealing with social distancing? Well, I, like millions of other Americans, am sitting in a makeshift home office in a suburb of Boston, Massachusetts, where I live. That's not your favorite place to be right now running an aquarium, I imagine. No, my favorite place would be to be downtown and to sneak over to the main building of our aquarium and stand there and watch all the kids with their noses to the glass admiring our 20,000 animals. That's that's what I wish I was doing. 20,000 creatures. Yeah. And ranging in size from? Oh, itty-bitty-bitty little fishes all the way up to our grand dame, Myrtle the turtle. So with the aquarium closed during this pandemic crisis, how are the animals? So the animals are being cared for by an amazing team of aquarists and our animal care team. We have about 30 staff in the building now. They're considered essential personnel and they go in there every day and continue to train and feed and take care of the medical needs of our wonderful animals. We're a little bit unusual as compared to other cultural institutions and museums in that when we close our doors, we still have to take care of the animals. And so it's been quite challenging to figure it all out, but I'm also just deeply, deeply grateful and impressed with the team that's pulled this together. You've been posting some virtual visits from the aquarium, letting anyone who wants to spend some time in the company of your outfit from the safety of quarantine. How is it trying to transition a physical experience, such as petting a stingray or feeling the splash of water as a little turtle swims by in some of those tables you have? How do you change that into a virtual experience? Well, it's funny. When we closed, our members and our visitors were asking the same question you asked, which is, how are the animals? And we knew it would be important to keep that experience alive for them. And because we have staff in there 
already caring for the animals, we knew we could take that experience to them directly. So we began to videotape and use our phones to share the everyday experiences that happen behind the scenes as our staff are caring for the animals. And I I don't think any of us expected to have the kind of reaction we've had. People have just loved it. And we locked into a regular slot every morning at 11 a.m. And, uh, and then in the afternoon, we're creating an educational opportunity for kids that links back to what they saw that morning. And the numbers are through the roof in terms of followers and people who are, who are signing up and watching every day. It's so heartening. Now, which of the animals, by the way, have noticed that they maybe are being streamed and are are looking maybe for further acting roles? (laughs) So, of course, there's Myrtle the turtle. She's been with us since almost the beginning of the aquarium 50 years ago. And um, we're not quite sure how old she is, but we put her close to 90. And she rules the roost and still does, loving the camera and loving the attention. What are you missing the most from the aquarium right now? Is it those penguins waddling in the front? Is it the smell of fresh fish? What's going on? (laughs) I think I miss the visitors. I miss the animals, but I, I see them through our virtual programming. I know they're being well taken care of. I miss our visitors because that's the lifeblood of our institution. And You know, 80% of our revenue is derived from our special events and from the visitors who come through the door. And so it's a sobering moment when one's revenue source is completely shut down. And that's what's happening to us and to so many other businesses. And, you know, typically if a crisis happens in one part of the country, say a storm or a hurricane or something, we're a very tight-knit network of institutions who help one another with taking the animals if we have a particular challenge and whatnot. This is a little different because we're all in the same boat. And I think that's why it's so important for all of us to be able to have the resources to continue to shelter our animals in place and take care of them. So it's been a very tough time. Tell me about a moment where it wasn't so tough. It was, in fact, maybe wonderful. That moment has to be when I went into the building after we'd closed. I went to thank our staff who are there taking care of the animals. I was walking around the giant ocean tank and Myrtle, our giant green turtle, came and I swear she was looking at me. And I asked our vice president for animal care who was with me if she thought the animals missed the people. And She said, I think they might because they're so used to the human interaction that they have. And it was such a um, lovely moment to realize that this interaction between me and this, you know, amazing turtle that we've cared for for all these years, it was was a connection. And um, it just made me realize and remember why I do what I do and, and why that beloved institution exists. Vicki Sproul's the CEO and president of the New England Aquarium. Vicki, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Thank you, Steve. For links to the online tours and events hosted by the New England Aquarium and the institutions Ainsley mentioned earlier, visit the Living on Earth website, LOE.org. We 
We are spending a lot of time indoors these days, and indoor air can affect our health, creativity, and productivity. For some insight, we will be hosting a free live stream conversation with renowned Harvard public health expert Joe Allen. He'll be talking about his new book, Healthy Buildings, and exploring how we can design indoor spaces to maximize our well-being. The event is May 12th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Learn more about this and other events in our Goodreads on Earth series at the Living on Earth website, loe.org backslash events. Well, it may be the large, charismatic animals that draw in the crowds at aquariums, but for Living on Earth's explorer-in-residence, Mark Seth Lender, the real show is much lower down on the food chain. Manhattan are farming the sea. They plow with their fins, shuttling to and fro, and plant among currents known only to them, among fields furrowed in waves, and never know if the seed sprouts or not, and never know the fruit of their labor. On the tide their plantings drift, as if in a calm before storm, towards shore, then into the rivers, the Neck, the Housatonic, the Thames, the Connecticut, and all the tributaries there whose names have been lost to us, the namers of these freshets and rivulets also, long gone, everything changed. And of the seed? In spite of the wear and erosions of time, nourished under a cold sun, will they find a lighted way? The months come, the months go, the seasons pass. Autumnal equinox. And the seed heads have ripened to bursting. Young Manhattan cloud the shallows with their silvering thick as grain, churning and turning, calling forth, though it is against their will, the harvest. And from below striped bass, threshers of the ocean, and from above the gulls, reapers of the air, and along and along, paddling and dab-diving, double-crested cormorants who are the gleaners, all come to do their workings, mouths and teeth and beaks and bills, winnowing flesh from water, and the little fishes driven in upon the rocky shore to meet in a terrible convergence there, tangled in seaweed as the gulls plunge and scream. Scream, the stripers stream, round and round and leaping, double-crested cormorants trim and swimming in a great wedge, thee, for victory, for them, and for the little fishes, now the miller comes. White on white, on a field of wet dusky blue, his wings wind-milling, his yellow beak as pallid as the sun, here he descends, there he lands, stilting on a lead of boulders, pointing out into the bite. He waits, patient, steady, great egret in all his elegance, and his long neck plunges to part the surface into a spray, pearls and diamonds of light and water, and lifts five live and struggling. Too many to swallow, too much to let go, he can hardly bear it, when, rising, 
bursting, swimming, airborne behind and about Great Egret, all for a breathless instant, all brother and sister Manhattan leap at once, a turmoil that cannot be counted, then tumble, splunging, splashing, while from the miller's mouth others fall to greet them, and the wetted stones receive them. Great Egret, in the end, swallows just one, overcome by the richness of the grain that grows only in the sea. That's Living on Earth's Explorer-in-Residence, Mark Seth Lender. Living on Earth is produced by the World Media Foundation. Our crew includes Naomi Ehrenberg, Paloma Beltran, Bobby Baskin, Thurston Briscoe, Jenny Doring, Jay Feinstein, Marilyn Hajumeri, Candace Seawing G, Don Lyman, Isaac Merson, Ainsley O'Neill, Jake Rigo, and Yolanda Omari. Tom Tiger engineered our show. Allison Lirish-Dean composed our themes. You can hear us anytime at LOE.org, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And like us, please, on our Facebook page, Living on Earth. We tweet from at Living on Earth, and you can find us on Instagram at Living on Earth Radio. I'm Steve Kerwood. Thanks for listening. Support for Living on Earth comes from Sailors for the Sea and Oceana, helping boaters race clean, sail green, and protect the seas they love. More information at sailorsforthesea.org.